You're listening to a Mango Languages podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to How Language Works. Emily here, your friendly neighborhood linguist. In our last episode, we dove into the structure of sentences by breaking down syntax, which we learned is basically the word order rules that give our sentences their structure. In this episode, our journey into how language works is taking us away from sentences as we zoom into the individual words that they're made of. That's right. Today's episode is all about the anatomy of a word. Maybe you've been wondering how new words get formed or just what makes a word a word. Regardless of what curiosities led you here today, let me tell you you're in luck because in today's episode, we're breaking down what's in a word by talking about something called morphology. We're talking about what morphology is, the different kinds of morphemes that exist, and why the ing and king isn't the same as the ing in traveling. So without further ado, let's get to it. Okay, so first things first. What is morphology? In the simplest of terms, morphology is what gives our words their internal structure. Think about it. Words aren't made up of random pieces of word bits cobbled together in some haphazard order. No, there's a whole structure underlying them. I like to think of morphology as the word version of a foreman on a construction site. A foreman's job is to make sure that the right pieces are combined in the right way in order to build a desired object. Well, same thing for morphology, just that instead of building skyscrapers, we're building words. Okay, so morphology is the system that gives our words their internal structure. So what's the system made of? Morphemes! If you said morphemes, you would be right. Morphemes are the smallest meaningful pieces of a word. So to continue with my foreman analogy, instead of construction pieces like wooden planks, steel beams, and individual bricks, you end up with word pieces like pre, mid, and ology. In short, morphemes are like the atoms of a word. Take the word traveling. How many morphemes or meaningful pieces would you say it has? The correct answer? Two. If you said more than two, you're probably counting how many distinct speech sounds you heard, which is a question of phonetics, not morphology. By the way, if you want to learn about speech sounds and phonetics, check out our episode on it, which we've linked for you in the description. Now, individual speech sounds like t, r, a, v are, of course, acoustically meaningful, but none of them holds any meaning meaning on their own. Like, if I just looked at you and said v, it wouldn't mean anything to you except that maybe I've lost my marbles. So then what are the two morphemes in the word traveling? Well, the first morpheme is travel and the second is ing. Now, how do we know that those are the two morphemes? Well, they're meaningful units and we can't break them down any smaller. Travel is of course a verb and I can't break it down into any more meaningful piece than that. And ing is a grammatical unit that tells us the status of that verb. In this case, ing tells us that travel is in progress. Woo, there you go. Now we've covered the basics. Before we get into the six things that you should know about morphemes and morphology, let's do a quick recap. Morphology is the system that gives our words their internal structure and morphemes are the actual pieces that make up our words. Okay, 
Now we're ready for the six things that you should know about morphemes and morphology. Number one, not all words have multiple morphemes. The word season, for example, is just one long morpheme. Same with the word umbrella or pickle or word. Of course, we could easily transform those words into multi-morpheme versions of themselves by simply adding other morphemes like seasoning, umbrellas, or pickled. Okay, number two. Some morphemes can stand alone, others can't. Travel and season, for example, can be their own totally independent words. Other morphemes like ing or ology, well, they can't. You'll notice that they only appear when attached to another morpheme what we call a root. Linguists call those independent morphemes, like travel and season, free morphemes. And we call the dependent ones, like ang or ology, bound morphemes. Makes sense, right? Okay, on to number three, order matters. We know that morphology is what gives our words their internal structure, and order is a big part of that. This is where affixes come in. You probably remember learning about prefixes and suffixes in your high school English class. These are simply different names of bound morphemes that tell you where the morpheme should be placed in relation to the root. In simpler terms, morphological ordering rules are how you know that the ing of traveling should go after the root verb and not before. And fun fact, English has a lot of prefixes and suffixes. Those are the morphemes that go before the root and after the root, respectively. But we don't have many infixes. These are morphemes that go literally inside a root. But other languages have tons of them. Arabic is famous for its infixes. Okay, number four. Not everything that looks like a morpheme is actually a morpheme. Here's a great example. The ing of traveling is a morpheme. But the ing of king is not. Well, what's happening here? Same sounds, same letters, but different ing and different morphology. Tricky, tricky. But just remember, it all comes down to meaning. If the ing carries a specific meaning in the context of a word, well, then it's a morpheme. And if it doesn't, well, it's not. Okay, number five. Morphology is often at the heart of how new words get formed. The official term for word creation is neologism. And think about it, every word that exists today had to be created by somebody. Take, for example, the word computer. Where did that come from? Well, it came from the verb compute and the suffix er to indicate the doing of the computing. And a fun fact for all of my word nerds, did you know that this word computer was not used to refer to the machines that we know so well today, but actually human people who carried out computations by hand? This kind of neologism is actually quite common. Often when new technologies are invented or cultural shifts occur, we find ourselves in need of a new word to help us talk about them efficiently. And what do we rely on to do it? Morphemes. Okay, number six. Languages vary in the extent to which they rely on morphology to make meaning. What do I mean by this? Well, some languages like Latin, Spanish, or German have pretty complex morphology. Think verb conjugations, case distinctions, inflection tables. Other languages like English or Mandarin have pretty simple morphology. How did these languages get away with a simpler morphology? The answer is that they have more complex syntax, aka word order rules. 
You see, it all comes down to how information gets encoded in the grammar of the language. And this is what we call the syntax morphology trade-off. This refers to the idea that, generally speaking, the simpler a language's morphology, the more complex its syntax, and vice versa. So when you're learning English, you don't have to memorize a bunch of verb conjugations or noun case distinction morphemes, but you do have to learn some pretty nuanced word order rules. The point, like most things in life, there's a trade-off, and morphology is no exception. Well, there you have it, friends. We covered a lot in today's episode, so let's do a quick recap. So we learned that morphology is the name for the system that gives our words their internal structure. And morphemes are what we call the smallest meaningful pieces of a word. Now, some words might just have one morpheme, while others can be made up of multiple. And when a word has multiple morphemes, there's usually a rule for ordering them. And that order might depend on which morphemes are free versus bound. We also talked about the fact that not everything that looks like a morpheme is actually a morpheme. Remember, the ing in king isn't morphologically the same as the ing in traveling. And don't forget, when new words like computer get created in a language, pre-existing morphemes are usually to thank. And lastly, languages vary in the extent to which they rely on morphology to make meaning. The reason for this? The syntax morphology trade-off. Well, there you have it. If you're new here and you'd like to make sure you're up to date on all our awesome language content, come join the Mango Fam by subscribing to the podcast. And if you like quizzes, have I got some fun for you because we've created a free and fun interactive quiz for you about morphology, which we've linked for you in the description. In my humble opinion, it is pretty fun. So take it and see how high you score. I believe in you. Oh, and don't miss our next episode in this series where we're breaking down how we make meaning in our language through diving into the world of semantics and pragmatics. What's the relationship between words and their meanings? What meaning lies between our words? How do politeness rules influence how we ask for favors? Answers to all that and more next time on How Language Works. Bye.